Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. The scripture we are looking at primarily is verse 39, but John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. The next day John, this is speaking of John the Baptist, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, Come, he replied, and you will see. Come and see. Now, how many times a day do we have an invitation to come and see? Well, you get invitations in the mail to weddings and, and perhaps to openings or grand occasions. But how many got an invitation for uh, a big sale this weekend? <laughs> Anybody? I mean, how many stores did you get an invitation from to come and see their merchandise? To come to the store? How many, I could ask, what store didn't you get an invitation from? So the great sale, the great, uh, the great sale when things are reduced and rebates are high, it's the year-end clearance and all these wonderful things. So we, the, the, the question that advertisers have is what will it take to get you to discover your need and move on to their sales and come in and see them? Well, uh, often we are drawn by need. You know, we were, you know... Uh, we're planning ahead. We've been in our house now, how many years? 18, 15, somewhere in there. We got new appliances whenever we moved in, and we've repaired the washer and dryer about three times, <laughs> thanks to Harold. And, uh, but sooner or later, it's going to go again. So we're, we're kind of looking at this one, looking at that one, and knowing prices and all these things, but I'm not buying it yet. All right? We're just not buying it yet. But you see, there is a perceived need and there is a real need. And when I want something, it is a real need. <laughs> That's not true. But anyhow, you know, you know what I mean, you know. It's always a real need when you want it, you know. So, um, so we, have to, we have to remember it's not what you can borrow, it's what you can pay for. So the invitation then to come and to see comes to all of us. Come and see. What will it take then to get us, not just to, not to move and move out on our and go to a store for a sale, but what will it take to move us from where we are to where we need to be spiritually? Now, the reason that I say that in such an open form is that all of us need a continual growth. So, no matter where we are at in our spiritual life, we can grow to another level. We can grow to a deeper relationship. We can grow on in our our relationship with Jesus Christ. So what does it take then for us to continue to grow? Well, when it comes to this personal decision, this personal change, we generally change from one of two reasons, inspiration and desperation. (laughs) We generally change spiritually because of inspiration and desperation. Now that's why whenever we come and, you know, we hear good preaching supposed to say amen. Uh, Whenever we hear, (laughs) when you hear good preaching and teaching, you know, it's important that, you know, what is the goal? It's to be inspiring. 
Why is the inspiration there? So that we will change. So that it will inspire us to continue to grow on. Thank you. Sorry, everybody else want anybody else want a glass of water, coffee? Yeah, there's a couple more back here. Thank you. Uh, Ron don't have a diet Pepsi. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, Beth and Ron don't have diet Pepsi for breakfast. So anyhow, uh, we we generally look at inspiration and desperation. So we look at our life and we want our life, I, I, I think of it in the aspect, we want to be inspired. And, and you know, I, hopefully as we preach and teach, it's, it's an inspirational message. We call them, what do we call them? Church service are inspirational messages. Whenever we talk, about, whenever we sing uh, our praises and sing the choruses, what do we want? When they're an inspirational song. So what is an inspirational song? Something that moves us. What's a desperation moment? Yeah, yeah. We all know what desperation moments are. So we're always changing. So let's keep changing in the right direction. You know, it's hard to keep changing. And it's hard not to go backwards. It's hard not to revert back to old ways, old habits, old ways of thinking. It is hard because we're comfortable there. We're comfortable with our old way of doing things. Why are we comfortable? We survived. <laughs> I mean, that's the logic. I survived, so it can't be that bad. Well, the truth is, we may survive, but it can be bad. So the challenge is for us to replace old habits. See, we are slaves to habits, so why not make good habits and become slaves to them? Good habits are prayer, reading the Bible, coming to church, <laughs> you know? Being in church, being in Sunday school, you know, these are part, these are good habits. You know, what, I, hear, I hear a number of people say, well, I just got out of the habit. Well, pick it up. <laughs> well, well, we say, well, inviting, well, you're always inviting people, people, you know, some told me, well, you're always inviting me to church, you know, well, then come. <laughs> no. But what about the ads that we received in the mail? They're always advertising. Why? Because they want us to see it and to come. If it's not in front of us, then we don't do it. So when you call someone and say, you know, why don't you come to church? You know, I'll pick you up. They'll come. Or when you invite someone or when you're talking. To, it's part of the inspiration or the desperation of needing a change. So keep in mind, we're always changing. So let's change in the right direction. Amen. Yeah, thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's change in the right direction. The setting in the scriptures that we read today is John the Baptist and his disciples. All right. John is the nation's most famous evangelist. John has been compared to Elijah. And for the disciples then, you would think that when John is saying, behold the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world, here's some guy just coming on the scene, and here they are with an established, excuse me, an established ministry, an established per person, and, you know, a man that 
that people are coming from all over the nation to hear him and to be baptized by him. And here's this individual who hasn't had a sermon, hasn't had a miracle, hasn't had done anything yet. And John is saying, behold the Lamb of God. And these individuals, he, they are drawn to him. And John the Baptist declares one man declares him to be the Lamb of God. And did the disciples understand what that was? Did they understand that they were leaving John the Baptist to go after, what's his name again? <laughs> he wasn't anybody. He was a carpenter's son. He was beginning a ministry. He was just starting. And John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did they understand what that meant? Like us. Do we understand what it means that we stand in awe of Christ? Do we understand the magnitude of what God has done for us when he forgives us of our sins? Do we understand what it means to feel safe in the arms of our Father when we are in desperation? Do we understand that the whole world, you know, people are talking, could be the end of the world. We've got earthquakes in Pennsylvania. <laughs> We've got earthquakes in Alaska. We've got tropical storms beating on the coast. We've got tropical storms beating on the inner in the uh, Gulf. We've got heat waves. <laughs> We've got all these things coming on, wars and rumors of wars. Is it the end time? Is Jesus coming back? The answer is yes. Are we inspired to change or are we desperate to, for change? Well, John declares the how and by whom that remission was to be accomplished. Everything that I'm about, John is saying in these, in these words, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everything that John is, it's summed up in those words and in that one person who hasn't done anything yet. And his disciples, two of them here, now decide to follow. Jesus will, this Jesus will take away the sin of the world. Jesus will take away sin and the guilt of sin by his death. Jesus will take away the power of sin by the spirit of his grace that sin shall no longer have dominion over us. So whenever we declare the Lamb of God who takes away my sin, as we took communion, as we received the elements, broken body, shed blood, symbols of his death, burial, resurrection. What are we saying? We're saying that He will take away sin, my sin. He will cancel out, take away the power of sin over our life. The power of failure, the power of falling short will be taken away from our lives by the power of Christ that takes us, enables us to go forward. We do not live in our own strength. We live in the strength of God. 
It is the breath of God, the breath of life that he breathes into us and we, have a, and we are living souls. So Christ, the Lamb of God, washes us from our sins in his own blood that was shed upon the cross. He, is both, the ju he both justifies, and justification is just as if I'd never sinned, but justification is a legal term. It's a legal term that says that the person is just. That they, have, they were guilty, but the penalty has been paid. They are justified. And they are sanctified. They are set, there is a separation. There's a separation between them and their sin. A separation be, between old life and new life. And what is the line? The cross. The cross is the line of demarcation. The cross separates my old life from my new life. And the cross stands there as that symbol, my life has changed. So can we here and now move from where we are to where God wants us to be? And you see, that is an always an ongoing process, an ongoing change. I can't move that. I say, okay, I'm going to move here. I'm going to move from where I am to where God wants me to be, and I'll be there. And then tomorrow, I'm going to have to move again. Where am I going to move? I'm going to move closer. I'm going to move closer to God. I'm going to keep moving closer to God. Because how many can stand still <laughs> where you're at? You know, you look the same as you did last week, but you've changed. <laughs> and if you don't believe you've changed, look at a picture. We have pictures of uh, about 10 years ago, I guess. We have Emma and Ethan, and we took them to... Where are we taking? Idaho. And we're sitting in one of those things, and I'm looking at those pictures and saying, they were never that little. <laughs> They've changed. You know? Seems like not that long ago. But they've changed. They grew up. <laughs> not yet entirely, but you've grown. Yeah. We've changed whether we like it or not. And so what happens is we have to keep changing. How many went to a new grade this summer, this, this fall? Well, Rhonda didn't go to a new grade. She keeps going back to the same old one. What happens? How many about the adults that are out of school? What would you change? Where would you go to? I went back to work. Same old drudgery. Same old people. Same problems, just different people. Same complaints. You know, when are these people going to stop doing this? When are we going to oh, see? But when are we going to see them differently? When are we going to respond differently? When are we going to help? And how? When are we going to continue to grow? See, John told his disciples, "This is he of whom is I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, and he was before me." John understood that this Jesus was. John was older than Jesus by about six months. But he is telling his disciples, this guy, he was before me. <laughs> Why? Because he is God. And this few statements, he is, he is wrapping up this whole idea of God becoming man. <laughs> Verse 38, and when, and, and the, the, these, these disciples then, after they heard John say this, they left John, they've been with John, and then they left John. What kind of friends were they? John understood he must increase, I must decrease. His disciples 
were able to leave John, and John wasn't offended by it. And the disciples, these two disciples, walked, off, walked after Jesus, and they had a question for him. <coughs> Excuse me. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? They are declaring a desire to know Jesus better, to become better acquainted with this person John referred to as the Lamb of God. They follow Christ to know him more, to sit with him, to listen to him. It's not a visit with Christ, but a lodging with him. (laughs) It's not a visit, but it's a lodge. Verse 39 says, And Jesus replied, Come along and see for yourself. They came and saw where he was living and ended up staying with him for the day. They came and saw and remained. They came, they saw, and they remained. They wanted to know Jesus to find out for themselves what inspired John to declare such a message, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to find out why their hearts and desires were to follow after him. They wanted to know why he came. You know, the questions, is he the Messiah? Is he the Lamb of God? Is he God among us? They are now in a position to discover for themselves that they came, they saw, and they stayed. This is the difference of inspiration. This is the difference of finding God and and, and in desperation turning to God and knowing that he is there. This is the place where we change from the inside out. To know these things, you must spend time with the man himself. You see, you and I, we are in a position to know for ourselves. To know that God loves me. To know that his promises are for my life. And for where I live. And for the things of my life. You know, Jesus has no problems with who you are. He has no problems with what you've done. He has no problems with all the obstacles and mistakes that you've made. He declares to us as he declares to his disciples. He says to us, come and see and stay. Come and see and stay. The time is always right to do what is right. The time is always right to do the right thing. Inspiration or desperation, whatever it is, what will it be that moves us to grow closer to Christ, to come and to see and to stay? Are you desperate enough to seek closer, a closer walk with God? Are we inspired enough to be moved in our hearts, to move towards God, to be moved towards reading the scriptures and you know, wanting to have this closer walk with him, to be able to find this place where God is one with us and we are one with him, a place of security. Tabby sings, it's all about you, <laughs> Jesus. It's all about you. Where are you staying, Jesus? Where can I hear more about who he is? Jesus was never interrupted by people. He did not see them as irritants, as obstacles. I remember one individual said, there are no interruptions, only divine appointments. And it's something how that 
you just run into people. Anybody running into people? Not with your car. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the, the little kid, you know, uh, the, the Sunday school teacher was talking about how that uh, uh, Lot's wife, they had left Sodom and Gomorrah, and she was going up over the hill, and she turned around and turned into a pillar of salt. The little kid says, well, that's nothing. My mom turned around, she turned into a telephone pole. Get a drink for everybody. <laughs> we we'll all need a drink of water here. He saw the individuals in multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Jesus is moved with compassion towards us. Come and see and stay. The woman at the well in Samaria, what did Jesus do? He said, I have to go through Samaria. I mean, Samaria was off limits. But Jesus went there for this, to speak with this woman at the well. And he, you know, he, he told her what was going on, and, he explained, and she went back into the, into the community. And what did she say? She says, come and see a man. Come see Jesus. Come and see a man who told me all about who I am. The blind man. The blind man who was healed. He was cornered by the religious leaders. And they wanted him to denounce who Jesus was. He said, I, can't, I don't know what he is, if he's the Messiah or what he is. All I know is, I was blind and now I see. Come and see the man who did this to me. You see, this is what we are, inspiration. Inspiration is the substance of faith. I, you know, I go back to this, I, I was speaking with someone this week and we talked about how that they were saying faith. Well, faith is something you just have to believe. And I, and I didn't want to interrupt, but I will later. Uh, faith is a substance. The substance of the scriptures add up. You know, we don't have to have faith that it's 90 degrees in here. <laughs> We've got the substance. <laughs> We've got the temperature. It's hot. All right? They don't have to have faith that it's 90. We've got the substance that it's 90. And that's the point of the substance. The substance is the scripture. The scripture is our inspiration. The relationship with Jesus Christ is our relationship. It's that relationship that keeps bringing us back, that enables us to stay in our relationship with God. Come and see and stay. The demoniac who terrorized the countryside, the townspeople came out, to see a changed man sitting clothed and in his right man, in his right mind. Come and see. Come and see Jesus in the scriptures. Read the word to see Jesus. Come and see Jesus in the music, in the worship. See Jesus that I stand in awe of you. See Jesus in our worship, our worship of him and what he has done for us and through us. See, Jesus in your prayers, that God is praying through you, that you are his hand extended to the people around you. You are his words of encouragement, words of faith, words of hope, that you are giving them. Come and see and stay. Come and see. See Jesus in those around you, in others. Come and see Jesus in yourself. Revelation 3.20 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. What's the scripture that we read, verse 39? They came and saw and remained with him. It's the same invitation to us in Revelation 3.20. It's the same invitation that was with the disciples when they left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. It's the same invitation. It's the same come, open the door, see who I am, and stay. And I will sup with you and you with me because we are together in this. Behold, I knock at your door, my door. God is knocking. And what does he want? Us to open the door so that we will allow his word to touch our life, inspire us to grow closer to him. Or if need be, the desperation of the moment will change us. And in our Sunday school, I'll close with this. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about how that, uh, that our relationship with God should be a natural response. <laughs> and, you know, whenever you, <laughs> you hit that nerve, your whatever it is, it's an involuntary mo motion. You hit that right there below your kneecap, what happens? It's a knee-jerk response. Our relationship with Jesus Christ should be such a relationship and in such a place that it will be a natural response. Whenever we pray, whenever we have a need, whenever we, ha we see others in need, whenever we recognize that God, you know, that things are going on in our world and things are going on around us, it's a natural response of who we are to recognize Jesus is with me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am his and he is mine. We are one together in this. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, what is God doing? God is at work in me. It is part of who I am. I am inspired to know that God is with me. Just who I am. You can't touch it without there being a response. You can't be who you are in Christ without there being a response.